Hi, it's Ken again. I know we probably just spoke, but I wanted to send this message to personally thank you for your vote of confidence and to welcome you aboard. It's people like you coming in at the beginning that can help change the world. We are excited that you want to be a part of this amazing brand new asset class before the street gets involved. To that end, we can change everything, but it's going to take a lot of people that think like you. So if you could reply to this message, quick recording of your own, just tell us what, first of all, what made you excited about investing in us in the first place, how it made you feel, and the impact you think what we're doing can have on personal wealth building and human health in the long run. Now, of course, I won't use that recording without your direct permission, but just getting your input, hearing your thoughts, I think will be incredibly valuable for us as a company. And I want to thank you again. I want to welcome you aboard and suggest from you to me to buckle up because I think we're about to really embark on a one heck of an adventure. So thanks again. Yep. The reason I played it is this is super cool thing called story prompt, which enables us to request feedback on the fly. And in fact, I'll show you what the what the screen looks like uh, right now, give you an idea of how it looks. This is what it looks like where you get this email and boom, the video plays and you get to record your response. Super cool technology. And we'll be rolling it out to uh, new and existing investors. All right. What are the blue gold? Thursday, August 10th, 2023. Briefing number 223. Water is the people's asset. And we have uh, the usual disclaimers. Um, so China's water crisis. Yikes. They have a crisis. They have what's called a degrowth nightmare. I pulled this off of, ironically, a socialist magazine. And they have all kinds of uh, solutions that have to do with wealth distribution. I'm not going to get into it because that's not my job. I'm in water and I try and stay in my lane. But very interesting article because it talks about, first of all, China's enormous growth, growth of almost 9% over 20 years. And uh, annually, think about that. So the size of the total Chinese economy grew uh, by more than fivefold. You know, you know all this, um, but they also have a severe water crisis. So then China has enough water. Northern China does not. By 2030, China could face a water supply gap of up to 25%. So that could have serious disruptions, which I'll jump into in a little bit. So, And the other issue is there's so much pollution, only 60% of China's water, uh, surface water is considered safe for drinking. I think it's a lot less, but 800,000 people die each year due to drinking unsafe water. 800,000 people. I think we're in an important business, don't you? So uh, it goes on to say how much of the world's rice, corn, cotton, and pork uh, China consumes. And also it has this ecological footprint. Each individual has a footprint of 3.8 global hectare. Now a hectare is 2.48 acres and um, it's uh, 100 meters by 100 meters, right? So 10,000 square meters. Um, Hect, which means 100, Rs is an R, is an old uh, Latin word meaning area. And that is a 10 by 10, 10, square, 10 meters by 10 meters was an R. So hectare, right? But the biocapacity, meaning China's sustainability, is, only, is less than one global hectare per person, which means that there's a deficit here. And that is the best statement of the problem. To sustain China's current level of resources, consumption, and waste generation, it would need to use up the biological resources 
of four Chinas. Okay, now here is the CO2 picture, um, which they're predicting it'll drop. It'll drop because population will drop for sure. Um, we have several different trends here. The, the dotted line is the historical, and it assumes uh, the BAU is business as usual. So that's the uh, big black line. So it keeps going up for a while until about 2030 and it starts dropping. Then there's the, the light gray line is called equity. Basically, between equity and inertia, equity allocates uh, emissions based on population. So it tends to favor developing countries like, like India. Inertia um, is based on the share of emissions you get is based on your existing emissions, which is more like China. Anyway, so the equity, it assumes that things get sort of sliced off um, and then drops heavily. I think that's very unrealistic. I think it's going to be BAU for a while. That's just my opinion. Okay. And as, but here's what's really going on is GDP has been crashing from about 14% in 2006 all the way down and uh, briefly stopped by the COVID uh, roller coaster, and but eventually ending up at zero and below zero. Now, I believe it's going to go faster than that because of the population collapse that's occurring right now in real time. All right. So now what does this mean for the world? Well, here's another article, um, which is about Chinese water challenges could lead to a global food and supply chain crisis. Here's why. By the way, it takes 500 gallons of water to generate, produce a single hamburger, right? So that's horrendous. It's a lot of water being used. Beijing is the capital of the world's second largest economy, but its per capita water supplies have fallen to the level on par with of cities near Chile's Atacama Desert, the driest place on earth. Um, Beijing's per capita water capability is about 120 cubic meters. Whereas in California, uh, you know, a, fa a family of four will use about um, something like 1200 cubic meters, 10 times as much. Now that's four people. So that's not quite the same measure. It, you have to divide it again by four. But the point is, is that it's, we use vastly more water in the West. Water availability was really at the level of California back in 1949, and now it's one-tenth. Continuing, there's, now here's very, very important. Um, re water resource availability is very low, on and on, stuff like that. Okay, now here's what's interesting. The North China breadbasket, which is, they have the least water, but the most production. And you can see that um, the aquifer, uh, the water stress is worse than the uh, American Ogallala Aquifer, which I've spoken about, it's in the Midwest, it's a serious crisis. Now, as you saw, it's been recovering. Uh, starting in about 2013, the, the red line started to recover, uh, whereas the um, purple line uh, continued to crash and has only recently been going back, going back up again. So that's the problem there, uh, and it's a big one. Now, uh, Mao Zedong said, the South has plenty of water and the North lacks it, so if possible, why not borrow some? So they're spending a lot of money to basically send water from South to North, big project. Uh, they're trying to do boost rainfall with, with cloud seeding. They're trying to relocate heavy industry, et cetera, et cetera. And it shows that agriculture, they have made progress from uh, share of water used by agriculture has declined from 88% to 63%. My theory about that is that's, in part because the share of water used by industry has grown. So I, they've made some efficiency gains, but I don't, I don't think that um, it's, as, it's, it's as good as it claims here. There's a, lot, a long ways to go. 
And um, producing two tons of wheat requires enough water to fill an Olympic-sized swimming pool, which doesn't seem like a lot, but just remember this. All the gold ever produced in the history of the world would only fill one Olympic-sized swimming pool. That's how big Olympic-sized swimming pool is. And it talks about the fact that China's leadership is keenly aware that famines precipitated by drought helped topple at least five of China's 17 dynasties. So they really, really care about that, of course, right? So a sustained China water crisis would spark a global food crisis, would likely spawn an electricity crisis. The coal network would be at risk. And therefore, that electricity crisis will create a global supply chain crisis because factories can't run without electricity. So you see how it kind of like domino, domino effect. Here's where this dovetails with the message we've been giving all along, which is that deglobalization is a fact. It says it right here. You got to do it because it's already happening. If you're smart, you get your supply chain out of China, right? That's where that's at. And that's why we're saying deglobalization will drive a manufacturing um, boom in North America for the next quarter century. All right. Now, meanwhile, uh, Reuters complains that um, not enough investors are ready to, to take the plunge into water tech. And what we have basically is an awareness problem. Sure enough, you know, uh, things like half of Kenya's water is lost. There's all kinds of issues with water being running out in places like Cape Town. We heard that story. And meanwhile, at a UN water conference, investors with trillion dollars in assets wanted governments to develop policies. Well, I, excuse me, but I'm not going to wait for governments to develop policies. Um, we have the solution for self-help. Self-reliance is the name of the game. And of course, that's that um, uh, unicorn back in May that was created called Gradient that is servicing the high end for self-reliant water treatment. So it's happening. We are in the much, much bigger market, which is the small to middle market, which of course is vast, but requires different kinds of tools than a gradient needs because a gradient does not have to worry about financing these deals. People like PepsiCo already know, uh, already have the finance. Um, technology issues are not a big, big problem, but we have to make sure that we scale up rapidly through standardization and also that we assist with finance. And that's how we can make it happen. All right. So, uh, and right here, untold trillions for energy, but basically nothing to work on behalf of the gallon. That is changing. All right. Now, uh, last week we had talked about inflation. Um, and sure enough, the biggest uh, problem right now, in my opinion, is that interest payments are skyrocketing. They're about to reach a trillion dollars a year. And sure enough, here's a projection of where it's going. Uh, surpassed defense spending in 2029, et cetera. And interest costs will account for more than a third of federal revenues by just 30 years from now. So that's, and it's already, you know, 15, 18%. All right. So what to do? Well, you tie your investment to high inflation. So let's talk about that. Let's revisit the inflation graph from last week. What is inflating fastest? Sure enough, um, this is from that visual capitalist graph. And remember how we had showed the different kinds of inflation with at the high end, hospital services being the worst, but then college tuition being right up there, medical care and childcare, and also food and beverage and housing were the leaders. 
Well, guess what? In 2022, something changed. Something overtook college tuition that was not on this chart. What's more than college tuition? Guess what? Water. Water overtook uh, college tuition plus 192%, which is uh, tripling, right? Because 100% is doubling. So that's basically almost a tripling of of costs between over the last uh, quarter century. That's ridiculous. And it's unsustainable. There's many, many households that are right now in default on their water bills. I mean, this is this really says exactly why we're in business and what we're doing about it. Because businesses can get can opt out of this problem by simply having their own private sewage contracts. They can put the sewage expenses under control, and they can also lower their water incoming water costs by recycling. So this is the solution for businesses. And since businesses are are ninety percent of the demand, that's what we're focusing on. So this is our mission. All right, so let's uh, hear from part two of the very cool Geopolitics and Empire podcast. Oh, you can have a well. The important part is sewage. Why? Sewage travels on high pressure lines. It does not travel on gravity lines. So that's what makes it so expensive. And if you've heard in the news over the years about water main breaks, well, water mains only break when there's pressure. A a regular gravity-fed system there's nothing going on. It's just, it just flows and there's no pressure. But when there's pressure, then you get you know corrosion, whatever, and it bursts. So when that bursts, that reduces the ability of the city to process that sewage from whatever neighborhood it was coming from. And that's a big part of the problem for them. The network is degrading. A big part of our business at Modular Water Systems, for instance, is the strangest thing, but there's these, and you mentioned pump stations, right? Pump stations are a critical part of the grid because every time you change levels, you got to have a pump station. Generally, pump stations are for fresh water, potable water. Lift stations are for sewage, although it's roughly interchangeable. But the point I'm making is they have usually been built with concrete, steel, or fiberglass, and they degrade. And now you have the water seeping into the underground, under, underground aquifer uh, which loses revenue in case of fresh water, and it loses, and it also in the case of sewage, it pollutes it. So the solution is this: become self-sufficient on sewage treatment. It's relatively simple. We are seeing an explosion of that happening in, um, for example, in North Texas right now. There's a there's a huge population boom post COVID, all the way to the Oklahoma border. And uh, they're racing ahead of the utilities capacity. And so we're putting in these containerized uh, systems. And in fact, there's a great video on the Origin Clear YouTube with feature, featuring Jimmy Moon up in uh, Munson Point up near Oklahoma. And he's it shows this cool 40-foot container that just got dropped in, boom, and just does it. And you got more, if you have more houses, you just put more containers, right? So <clears throat> That's becoming a solution where there's a lot of expansion. A major factor we think in decentralized water is going to be deglobalization. We know that's happening already. There's a lot of demand. Um, I've, I've heard that, for example, um, unemploy- unemployment is virtually zero in places like Tijuana because there's so much demand for for uh, labor. It's also in that area, I've heard of about a million square feet of deficit of um, 
manufacturing and warehousing space. That's going to continue. So Northern Mexico, Southern Texas are going to be very strong for businesses that come back because, you know, the China, China, Southeast Asia experiment worked well at a time when we didn't have a lot of automation and we had a lot of people willing to work for not much money to assemble stuff from chips to parts to whatever. But now we have automation and a modern factory can run with very few people. What's going to be coming over the next 20 to 25 years is this inflow of you know, state-of-the-art automated factories. And they'll, perforce, they'll have to have integrated water treatment because they're going to overtake the water system. I have a good friend who uh, has a water concession in, in the state of Puebla. He tells me his customers are the Anglos, right? Because those are the ones that by corporate mandate from the 50 you know, states are required to do it, even in Mexico. The local Mexicans, well, you know, let, 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 let the uh, uh, river run in rainbows, shall we say. And so, but this is going to be remedied by the fact that it will be American companies that establish manufacturing in Mexico, and they, there will be a gradual move towards things being cleaned up. Uh, the river Atoyac, which is the one in Puebla, is going to be cleaned up. Uh, Mexico is moving towards that. It's actually, as you know, a great economy, has a great future ahead of it. Um, and I think it's going to be even more so. So these deglobalization forces, I think, are going to drive a lot of self-reliant water treatment. And as you say, possibly, you know, drawing your own water from the ground, but for sure, treating your own dirty water. I mean, what you said was also fascinating. I'm, I'm, I'm tracking it and seeing that here. I mean, you got... Musk was recently in in uh, Nuevo León. They're going to bring in Tesla factory there. Uh, you know, other Asian corporations, companies coming in China. I, I, I don't remember. Uh, you know, further EV factories. Uh, there were recent. Uh, you know, recently uh, semiconductor. Uh, you know, heads of semiconductor in, in industries. I think Korea and elsewhere coming in to to decide whether it's viable for them to open up in Mexico. So there's a lot, and the foreign FDI is increasing. Uh, it might even hit a record. So th that's all coming in, uh, as you said. And I, I was reading as well that it, there was an article here in Mexico saying that uh, they don't have enough workers. Uh, there's not enough workers uh, or not enough uh, qualified workers. So again, that just speaks to what you're saying. Economically, Mexico is on the way up. The issue is that still the security issue. What's also increasing, which is depressing for me, uh, the number of highway bandits, uh, especially here in Jalisco, where I am, where these these all of these, you know, these industries, the, the semis that are transporting stuff, they're getting held up and the goods uh, taken. So that is a, that is a problem. But, you know, apart from the security issue, it, you know, hopefully that doesn't get worse. The, the, the definitely the FDI is, is coming in and things are looking economically up in uh, Mexico. But you talk about water uh stable coins uh this is interesting what, what what's going on here okay so let's set the stage here there is no worldwide water market unlike pork bellies or you know other commodities there's no worldwide trading of water the the price of water is incredibly uh diverse you know the cheapest colorado river water is around 25 dollars an acre foot that's one acre one foot deep about a household of four for a year uses an acre foot of water. So $25 is four households. The, the most expensive 
is uh, down is what San Diego is paying on the margin, which is thirteen hundred and fifty dollars for the same acre foot. That's a huge differential. What do you do when you're you know the the whole reason for commodity markets is to seek stability by buying for, uh, future contracts, hedging your costs. But right now, if I'm in Northern California with skyrocketing prices of water, I can't hedge with Singapore water. It's impossible. Doesn't happen. Well. What we realized was, as we're rolling out this water on demand concept, now you have business customers paying by the gallon. And it's a much more even because it's a process, a commercial process that's roughly the same everywhere. And it's processing the same water and there's small variations in toxicity levels. But in general, you've got a pretty stable price for water and every single gallon has money attached to it. Back in 2018, I was working on I was an early pioneer uh, back then of something called Water Chain, which was a blockchain water product uh, token. But we ran up against the fact again that where's the water price? How, where, where, there's no there's no water economy beyond local. So all water is local because it's you're not going to send a pipeline from uh, the Carolinas to New York. It's too expensive, right? Uh, for the price of water, even when it's a lot, because it's one of the cheapest things around. So what we realized was, as we grow the water on demand network, we will have an increasing amount of water being processed. And the stakeholders are getting their royalties. And those royalties right now are are, are being paid by ACH, you know, automated clearinghouse, because it's relatively simple. But we said, well, what, why don't we instead... Uh, let's say that you, Hervoye, go ahead and invest in a, you know, a, a piece of water on demand. Uh, one of our, we have a series of funds that we create. So you have a piece of one, and now you're going to start getting your percentage. Well, how about you instead get a, a token that is your contract and all the future revenue from that contract, and automatically there is payments happening. That means you can transfer that contract. And that now starts to eventually create a marketplace where people can trade these water tokens. And um, the key to getting there, and which is why we're not doing it right now, is we need to replicate the water on demand model in other regions. As we perfect it here and get momentum and so forth, we then want to do a deal with a financial player in the Middle East let's say Dubai, in Singapore, in Tokyo, et cetera, to essentially replicate what we have. And now we'll have carbon copies of water on demand throughout the world. And it's going to take a decade. It's not going to happen overnight. It's one of those things, you know, I was in high tech for years before this, and this network effect is real. You know, each the, the, the value of the network increases by the square of uh, each node, right? It's geometrical progression. So the more of these we create, the more we'll be sort of this de facto standard of the water on demand royalty, which we've named, we have we have dollar symbol H2O is, is the name of it. And it's kind of like a digital bond in a way. It's, it is a security, no question about it. We're not saying it's not because you're receiving dividend income. There's no bones about it. And that's Less of an issue in, in um, non-US jurisdiction, but you know, if you're not fighting being a security, 
there's no issue. The SEC will find your security, be regulated as a security, everything's great. So that's that's the plan. We, as I say, we don't have a problem right now. You know, we have, you know, I think our total origin clear investor base of regular repeat investors is about, I don't know, three or 400. So it's not a lot of people, even as they're being converted over to water on demand. But when it gets to 1,000, 10,000, it gets to multinational replicants of water on demand, eventually we will have a worldwide water market. And that will be a stunning development, in my opinion. Yeah, you you answered a number of my questions there. And so Pun intended. I, I'm stealing this from you. We've covered sort of the waterfront. Uh, and uh, is there anything you know that I haven't brought up that, that's also uh, you know an important or pertinent uh, issue that you like to get across? No, I think we've done a good job. Uh, the main thing to remember is that the U.S. does not recycle water, and that's a major, major flaw. And it's caused by the same problem that the energy grid has, which is it's a one-way system. The dirty water goes to the city and the city treats it and dumps it clean. I'm not saying it's not treated, but it's been wasted. And water is becoming much, much too precious to do that to. And so recycling is critical. The only way it's going to happen is if we modernize. Israel has very high recycling rates, almost 90%. But they're able to do that because, number one, their command economy what they say goes. It's very, very homogenous. Secondly, it's relatively new uh, water treatment systems. And the US is, is not in that place. So we're not going to rebuild these things anytime soon. The way to do it is small is beautiful. Do it one place at a time. And then it's economically rationalized by, hey, you know, I've got a water bill. I'm going to reduce it by sprinkling my lawn with my leftover water. And now you've got really water independence. It's, it's actually super exciting. It's in the same vein as the energy thing. But here's the big difference. The, the energy utilities are resisting solar and trying to tax it and trying to have fees and so forth. The water industry is delighted to let uh, industry and agriculture do their own treatment. They're actually driving it. A lot of large companies, PepsiCo, for example, has committed to 80% reuse of their water. Great. That means they have to have their own plant. And the water districts are happy with that. So this is a golden era, really, where the utilities are very happy with the unburdening that goes on. And once you unburden, now you can start helping you and me, the regular people. In Ireland, fresh water is free. It should be free in America, too. And it can be if all the budgets are devoted to the people and not industry and agriculture. So that's really our mission. Very, very cool. Uh, you know, what more can we say? Uh, water, it's going to be very important from here on out. And uh, thanks for being on Geopolitics and Empire. And that was a super cool podcast. We're going to follow right away with a completely different tone. You know, Hervoye Morek is very uh, cerebral, as you can tell. He's very thoughtful. He's an amazing geopolitical analyst, by the way. Uh, now we get a totally different tone with business bros. Check it out. Shut up and sit down. The thing that popped into my mind is like a laundromat, for example. They they pump water like crazy through these washing machines, uh, and it's already going through a system all in you know that comes in from the city, gets drained out, goes back out to the city. Uh, and, and so I'm thinking like, you know, leasehold improvements when it comes into kind of installing equipment like this into, into the system. And I love the fact that it's pay as you go, because 
a lot of the solar companies do the same exact thing. You're literally taking into the meter and you're paying now only based on the usage that you're using or even like when you have net metering, sometimes you're just producing more energy than you're actually putting out. You get a nice little credit. Um, so two parts for this question. One is, uh, is there a lot that goes into restructuring uh, leasehold improvements in places that might have large water water filtration systems already in place or water just in general? We have a classic situation going on in North Texas right now where there's a huge land boom going on. They are just on fire. And the problem is it's, it's the um, sewage is not keeping up with the housing developments. And so now we've started installing these self-sufficient housing developments that treat their own what we call black water. That's the poop. It's called black water. And so they treat their own black water and they're self-sufficient. Now they still, typically they bring the water in from the city because it's easy. They can, they can drill their own well, but most of the time they just grab, they just take water in. But here's the good news. They can recycle, right? And so, you know, in a situation like a laundromat, think about being able to recycle that water. And in places like California, that's unbelievably, you know, I, and I, I was in LA until I escaped to here where I'm in Clearwater, Florida. Th there are residential users in Los Angeles that pay $14,000 a month for their lawn water, right? It's ridiculous because of the, the tears, right? And it gets worse and worse, as you know. And so wa recycling water means a lot. And that's a big reason why a business would want to do this. Let me ask you about the, uh, okay, so the, the second part of my question was going to be in the net metering type thing where it becomes actually a profitable event for you to install these types of systems in, in, in place. When it comes to solar, I know for me, sometimes my my solar bill or my, uh, my electric bill comes in and it's negative. I don't actually owe anything. They're giving me some money because of the amount of, of energy that my solar panels have put in. Uh, are you are you expecting a, a net metering type of activity to happen with the water system if you're using a recycling uh, system like yours? Well, that's a really interesting concept, and I think eventually it might happen. Look, California, for example, is in, in – we had a great year with the atmospheric rivers, and as a skier, I loved it. But guess what? It, it The water – all the reservoirs are going to go right down again because we have a long-term drought situation. And so anybody – who is helping with the recycling? I think there could be there could be um, incentive programs, absolutely, for people to recycle. I think that um, it, it will require some support from Sacramento to make it happen. But in the meantime, what's great is, whereas in solar, the the uh, energy companies tend to resist solar, and you know they don't like the net metering thing. You're very lucky to have it going on because many parts of the country it doesn't work at all. Right? They don't they don't allow it. They don't allow net metering. Blah blah blah. They make you pay a base load no matter, even if you don't need it. Well, in water, the, the utilities are delighted. Like, oh, please treat the water. Be my guest, right? So it's a much easier environment to implement, but it's very early still to talk about rewarding people for doing things like recycling, which I think we need, we need to do big time. You know that Israel recycles almost 90% of, of its water. U.S., 1%. Come on. We can do better than that. That's ridiculous. Yeah, well, they're also in the middle of a desert, so they need to have some sort of process to recycle the water that that. Well, they so California. Exactly, exactly. We need it. California for sure. The rest of the country, man. But but let me say this: Do you know that the, going down the middle of the country, which um, is almost half of all produce farmed, is in the middle of the country? Is something called the Ogallalo Aquifer, and you'd think it was unlimited, but you know what? It's down 150 feet already. 
it's it's actually we are using more water than there is in the groundwater and you can't just fill an aquifer like you like with a pitcher it has to seep in over years if we completely drain the Ogallala aquifer it will take 600 years to refill it right that's what's going on even in water plentiful areas of the country so i, I think we need to be water aware you know here in florida it rains all the time we still have water issues why because water gets polluted, because there's seawater intrusion, you know, for various reasons, I won't get into it. There's also a lot of agricultural runoff into lakes that then creates all this algae that kills the fish, blah, blah, blah. We need to have better stewardship of our water. And so I think that we need to start thinking about recycling and best practices everywhere. Now, I remember um, when stuff like this was coming into popularity, people were upset because of the whole thought of toilet to tap. Uh, That that concept of, well, you know, it's cool for the guy who's out in outer space and doesn't have any water, but I can literally go to somewhere else and have my water completely clean. What what do you say when people are like, you know, worried about the the toilet to tap water? Well, you know, it's not necessary to make drinkable water from your recycle, right? We see it off the, you often see it on the side of the freeway, you know, this uh, sprinkler is using uh, recycled water. You know, don't drink it. Don't drink that water. Why? They took water that was cleaned up enough to put back in the ground, but it's not potable. It's not drinkable. So that is the first step is to get widespread recycling. Uh, for example, a brewery can reuse 50% of its water without using it for beer, just using it for washdowns for steam vessels, for all kinds of, you know, side, side issues. So, you know, it takes seven to eight liters of water to make one liter of beer. But if you can save four of those liters, then that's good, right? Then you start spending less water. And you haven't even talked about using the dirty water for beer. And I recognize the toilet to tap thing, by the way, whoever came up with that was brilliant. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> They killed it. It destroyed the whole concept. I don't think that that you, that the central utilities, first of all, they're not suited for it. What the, the problem with the utilities? They don't have return lines. So yeah, they bring it in, they recycle. Then what do they do? They're literally going to put it back back into the water supply. I, it, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem. Better let people do their own recycling. That's a better idea. Let me ask you about, uh, because, you know, we, we talked about how, you know, I'm in Southern California. There's definitely a desert, not a lot of water. And then again, yes, there is. This big old giant thing called the Pacific Ocean is right there. How does this equate to desalinization versus recycling? What's the difference in, in the misconception that we have there? Can, can our systems do the same type of clear, like a purification there? I don't know if you remember what happened in Huntington Beach, but... For 10 years, they were building a desalination plant. The project got killed. Why? People didn't want the darn plant around them. And, you know, it's noisy, but also what it puts out is this brine, this heavy brine, right? When you take the salt out of water, then the reject water is very briny and actually is an environmental issue. And so the whole project got killed. Well, you, if you were the developer of that desalination plant, you just took a hit. Mm-hmm. 10 years worth of development, and boom, it goes away. So until we have a better way of managing the process, I know that in San Juan Capistrano, there's a desal plant. It works well. But, you know, the cost of the water is, you know, the lowest price for Colorado River water is around $25 an acre foot. An acre foot is one foot deep, one acre 
in in uh, dimension, and it's good for about a family of four for a year. That's an acre foot. The Colorado River water, cheapest price, about $25 an acre foot. San Juan Capistrano water, $1,350 an acre foot. It's expensive mm -hmm. stuff, right? Now, San Diego needs it. They mix it into the rest. The average price is decent. But, you know, we're spending a lot for it. Now, the Israelis have gotten the price down to around seven or $800 an acre foot, and we could follow their lead on technology. But it's still expensive stuff. Why don't we save the water that's already there? That's a good start. That's definitely a better start. Yeah, yeah, because it's already it's we're already using it, and I'm I'm I remember growing up. Uh, I had family in Mexico, and and one of the the trippiest things was to go down deep into Mexico and take a shower using a bucket to flush the toilet and using a bucket if you even had a toilet that sort of stuff. Uh, the recycling methods are already in place. I I love seeing things like uh I, I saw how the Japanese have a. Um, uh, where you wash your hands right over the toilet so the water gets recycled goes back into the toilet. Some of these things that people already have been implementing, we're not really implementing here in the U.S. What's that pushback that you're getting? What's the holdup for this being more mainstream than it is today? I say there is pushback. Uh, you know, for example, 20, 20, 25 years ago, Australia did a huge, uh, what they call gray water project because they had a big drought. And that is where all your um, shower water, your, your washing machine, dishwasher water gets collected, filtered, and reused for the same purpose. And it worked out well. But here's the problem. In order to do that, you have to have separate pipes, right? They're called purple pipes. And these purple pipes, because how do you gonna have to divert the water from those sources. So you got to do some plumbing. And we're just not into it. At the residential level, we're just not doing it. I'm I'm in a brand new development here. It was It was... It was uh, launched in November 2021. We don't have purple pipes. It's brand new. People are building buildings right now that are not equipped for gray water recycling. Better, and this is why we said, you know what? Let's focus on the 90%. Industry and agriculture, they're into it. They have big water bills. They have, you know, one of the problems we have in water is that the water rates are going sky high. A lot of people having trouble paying their bills and water. And so that's true of business as well. So they get a contract where that's the 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 what the water the rate increases are excuse me are limited and, and stated up front. Secondly, as I said, they get to recycle. And thirdly, they don't get bothered as much by the city. They do their own thing. As long as they maintain standards, everything's fine. That's very attractive these days. All right. Well, we're getting low on time, so I want to make sure um, that if you, you basically get to talk to the people who you are targeting. So if people want to reach out to you, who who's this ideal person that you want to talk to? And what's the best way to get in contact with you if they're looking to do something like this? We have no problem with getting clients. We, we have them coming in in droves. But I mentioned that, you know, there's a way for these these businesses to get help with their uh, capital costs, right? The upfront costs. Well, what we do is we have investors for that. People can invest in water equipment. It's called water on demand. And through that process, they end up getting royalties, which is basically a piece of the piece of the pie, piece of the income forever, for as long as that, that fund exists. And they get a piece of our company. So uh, if people are interested in uh, getting royal, you know, royalty, ongoing income from water, they should go to invest at originclear.com and we'll be happy to discuss it. It's exciting. 
Yeah, I mean, think about that, ladies and gentlemen, as an investment opportunity. I don't know about you guys, but the, the lifetime value of a client is always big. And for a client to be able to get paid continuously on the water usage, that is never going to go away. I, it sounds like it's a pretty good investment. What's that? Uh, what's that investment like? I'm, I know that usually investments like this are are uh, geared towards accredited investors. There's specific criteria. What's that process like? You're right. That a lot of our fundraising has been with accredited investors. They have to make at least two hundred thousand dollars a year. But we also have these crowdfunding programs. We just finished one. We're, we'll start another one in the fall. And that's awesome because. Uh, uh, some investments don't have a nice return. The ability to have a royalty is huge. So Riggs, thank you very much for coming on the program. Ladies and gentlemen, look, that's what it comes down to. You want to have clean water. You want to have water usage in a recycled manner. And you'd like to make some money off that? I mean, I don't know. Sometimes a drip could be annoying, but if that drip is coming in a royalty, you're going to absolutely love it. So make sure you guys go to originclear.com, originclear.com. Check it out. Sign up for the newsletter. And that way you're aware and you're in the now of different investments that you can take advantage of, uh, that you can take advantage that are royalty paying. So make sure you guys check that out one more time, originclear.com. Riggs, thank you very much for being on the program. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace. And that was super fun. And as you can tell, there's these great podcasts that have totally different points of view, but either way, super, super compelling message, as you could tell. So here we go. We're going to jump into the free willing discussion. There he is, the man of the hour. Okay. Slightly improved camera situation. Still working on it, but but we're getting there. You know- You'll have solved it, and we'll be a at the same time. We'll be doing them in holograms by then. It'll be the we'll, we'll, be a, we'll be a unicorn. We'll be a unicorn. We'll be a unicorn. <laughs> right. Then I'll I'll just have a camera crew come in. Right. I got my people yeah. here. I'll get I'll get, I'll get the the makeup, and it'll be great. Um, you know what I enjoyed? Um, two very very diverse interviewers, both catching, and they both they both caught the big picture. Now they latched onto different things that they thought were kind of, you know, important to them. One guy got into the whole blockchain thing and the other guy kind of got into the royalty. Uh, the last fella, um, is it um, Biz Bros? Business sure. Bros? Uh, he got a, he kind of got into the everyman uh, aspect of it. You know, a royalty paying, you know, bond-like utility. Yeah. And and look, um, with everything we're seeing, and, you know, you went over it in the, in the, um, in, in the in the presentation with the uncertainty with a lot of i mean just, china's going to be in bad shape um it's going to allow for the re, for like you said massive amounts of automation now people will say well those aren't factory jobs no but they need to eat they need to live somewhere they need to drive cars they need to you know they, they that all of that outside economies that are created by um, these, you know, these 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 massive um, business ventures that will be going in, and you know, I said in one of my previous videos that um, you know, North Texas, they're going to build entire, you know, manufacturing meccas. Um, this was ten years ago. It would take years of permitting to get water in the. We can we can have water infrastructure before they can put the building up, and I don't think. I don't think the world understands how. Well, no, it'll come with the building. In other words, oh, right, right, it'll be right. Yeah, fine. Co-located, right? Co-located water treatment. Oh, um, I just meant we finished before they did. Right. I mean, yes. ninety days. Yeah. 
So um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a, a huge uh, adventure. And, you know, what's interesting is in the, in the show, we've talked about a lot about um, how, um, you know, people are dealing with um, Aquatech, quote unquote, not being funded, but actually that recently, back in May, we had our first unicorn in a long time. It's doing the decentralized water treatment for the big guys. Mm-hmm. So this, you know, four different vertical uh, industries, pharma, chip manufacturing, food and beverage, and, mm-hmm. and alternative and fossil. So there, they got a great thing going on and it's wonderful, but there's only so many of those high-end players. And by the way, we service a number of them with progressive water treatment. And we just can't talk about, right. Right. Our division in, in, uh, in Dallas, and we, you know, uh, been doubling and tripling our business now for a couple of years now. Doing exactly that, and we and have phenomenal to- clients, but they are they're limited in scope. So here's the way to look at it for investors. Okay, um, what's the market cap of Bugatti and Lamborghini compared to all the other cars below a hundred thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars and below? It is an or I mean it's a it's a what several hundred times the, the size. Is the market right, or like the Mac Mansion market, right? Mac Mansions are valuable, but the, the vastly more middle market housing. Sure. Well, the, well, exactly right. Uh, three hundred thousand dollar homes. The, the the market size of a three hundred that was just kind of your kind of your median type home. There, it, it's just absolutely enormous. Um, the um, all the hundred million dollar homes put together don't even come close to the $300,000 homes, right? So um, as a market, it is much, much, much larger. Now it's also more, it's more complex, um, which is why technology that, you know, we, we are in, that has already been well-developed by other companies and that we're gonna simply kind of build off of, we'll be able to do this managed service model for that bulge bracket. It's the Walmart model, it's the Toyota. You know, Toyotas used to be cheap, right? When they first entered America, they were like $6,000 cars and they dominated because they were built well and they were cheap, right? So um, so folks that, you know, think about that market, the big giant hundred million, you know, hundred million dollar system. Yes, there's a great market for it. They're going to be great clients, but the clients really have the bully pulpit. Um, our clients are going to just be regular, regular business owners that say, look, I just want to, I just want to, I want a problem solved. Right. Can you save me money? Yeah. Okay, great. But, we're going to make it assembly line just like Ford did, right? What Ford right. did two things really, really well. Number one, he created the assembly line. Number two, he created financing, right? Yes. We've done both. On right. the technology side, we have the automation, the standardization of the product line, highly, and we're automating it constantly. And then on the other side, with water on demand, we're handling the financing side. So we're duplicating what Henry Ford did. Now, he wasn't building the Duesenbergs. He was building the Model Ts. Well, Absolutely. guess who made all the money? Henry Ford. Right. Now, uh, one one more piece. He used financing. He used banks. Right. Who made all the money on the financing? The banks. So if you could be the bank, would you? Well, that's why eventually they did do their own GM financial for- Well, yeah, I told you I told you what happened when I went to go buy my truck, right? I went in there with financing ready to go at Ally. He dropped the price on the truck, like $6,000 on the spot. He was like, if you do it through Ford, I'm like, sure. Because, you know, I knew I was paying less and I knew they were making more and that's fine. You know, sure. um, it was a, it was a, and I think that that's the common sense business arrangement between end user 
and us that you're going to find. They're going to look, I'm not going to try to take you to the cleaners. You're not trying to, you're going to solve my problem for me. You're going to save my business money on a, both a monthly basis and prevent this huge capex, but you're also going to prevent an existential threat to my business, which is either either a regulatory Armageddon or, you know, some unforeseen Water thing. scarcity, also, all these things, right? All right. All of those are ex existential events. These, these are the things that keep entrepreneurs awake at night, right? They literally wake awake at night staring at the ceiling of what's going to happen next, right? So um, the one thing they also do, um, a lot of businesses, they lay awake and go, how the hell am I going to make payroll this month? Because you have these unknown expenses like water. So being able to give them containment and control of expense, you know, it, with with obviously with with steps, um, you know, indexed to inflation, of course, but always below, always, you know, always less than what they would have to do by going to the market. Well, we saw in this briefing that water rates are out of control and it's they not. get they get out of that rat race. Boom. They're pulled sure. out of it. They don't have to play. They opt out of the municipal rat race. And they can actually they can they can pro forma for the next five years. They can plan, Amen. right? Which is what a smaller business or a local business generally can't do. Amen to that. Well, uh, I want to let everyone know. Well, I'm sold. You know, you're scaring me, dude, because um, if you're sold, then everyone is. I'm uh, <laughs> if you want to get the real story, do speak with Ken Berenger uh, on this address, oc.gold slash Ken. Call him up, make it happen. You will learn amazing things. And please fill out your Zoom survey because it gives us amazing information. Thank you, everyone, for your help and your participation. Thank you, Ken, for uh, having fun because that's where we are. We're having fun. And dude, I was telling uh, my wife this evening at dinner that- Did you, solve your, broth, did you solve your broth problem? Broth. We got broth. Yeah. Yeah. Broth. Ken and I were doing a Zoom and all of a sudden I had to deal with the uh, the broth. broth. Got the broth. Okay. Uh, the broth and the quinoa and that we made great quinoa. Anyway, so that was, but while we were eating dinner, I said, you know, literally we're, we're coming into this huge relevance where for years and years we've been laboring out in the cold and like water, who cares, right? But right. we knew it was vital and now the world knows it's vital and it's scarce and it's an unsolvable problem. And we have the single solution. And I thought, like, I feel like I have well, such, I'm, I'm doing such things, something so important. Do you feel prescient? No, listen, just because you were early doesn't mean you weren't right. Correct. Well, right? We, we, we always thought it was important, but we had the hardest time getting the market to catch up. Now. And all of a sudden the world is like, oh my God, water. I'm like, yeah, uh, we're, you know, you almost chuckle about it because it was jumping up and down about it for for years when when folks didn't get it, they were chasing that high tech or, or the next, you know, the next big thing. Um, and meanwhile, the greatest wealth creation event maybe of our lifetime has been running underneath our feet and only now has it come to their attention. Um, so yes, very gratifying. It's nice to be right. Um, and to even be ahead of the crowd was even better. Also, Riggs, um, now we may, we, we may, I want, I was thinking about sending out an email, you know, you played that, um, story, uh, story prompt earlier, sure. think about sending out an email to some of our investors that have enjoyed the experience on this briefing. And guys, if, if you don't mind, if I send this out, could you reply? Because hearing it from you, it's, it's very it's very important to help us um, guide the company and our mission by hearing directly from you and your vision. You have a lot to offer as investors. Um, 
and you have a lot of brains out there and it's all, you know, kind of, we don't get to tap into that. So if I can tap into your thoughts on this, if you could reply to that quick message of your own, I think that would be super important, super vital. And of course we won't use it without your permission, but it'll still help. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for your support. It's been amazing. And on we go. Ken, have a good night, everyone. Enjoy your weekend. Next week, more. I'm, we're going to have a peek into the process of building the modular water systems, high class professional, a competitive analysis. And I actually took some of the recording of that, of that Zoom and we transcribed it. You'll find it fascinating. So do join us. Thank Great. you all and good night. Have a nice weekend.